0: the uh, commands of Christ uh, that song brings back so many memories right my, my girls were and we were all traveling during the summer and and uh, they heard I don't know some church that song and and uh, the way the girls did they would hear a song at a church someplace and we would know where it came from anything but by the time they heard it that one time it got to the car between all of them, they knew the words to the song. They uh, Brooke would start playing it. We'd travel with a keyboard a lot of times, and uh, and how they did, it, I don't know. But then they learned it in the in the vehicle that we were in. I think we we're actually in a motorhome, but but we we learned it and went to a camp. Rick Finley, as a matter of fact, there was about oh, probably ten or twelve churches there. First place that they sang that song, and they um, uh, the invitation on a Thursday night. Uh, they must have must have sang that song fifteen times. It just uh first time they came, it's just like the altar just busted open and and kids were getting saved and things were happening and it was pretty amazing what God did during that time. Um so it's a lot of memories to to that song and and uh and that you know and they ended up of course recording it later on. But um I want you to go to John, Book of John. We're in our um fellas if you could get the uh, uh, screen up there, right? Uh, that would help me. And <coughs> uh, Book of John. And we're going to be looking at John chapter fourteen. John chapter fourteen. Um, only once or twice have I deviated from Matthew to uh, to address a command, because it seems like Matthew is the place that that uh, really uh, that's the gospel that just lays out these commands. It just just uh, honestly uh, seems like that's really more kind of a a sub purpose of of the book of matthew to lay out these commands but uh, i'm going to hit this one in the book of john because i think it's important but the best i can tell uh, time wise uh, this takes place between matthew 25 and matthew 26 26. so this would take place in between the last command that we just we just dealt with and the command that we will deal with tonight in matthew twenty six twenty six and so uh, and we will you know tonight of course we 're dealing with the lord 's supper and and, and this uh, just to let you know you ought to be here tonight we'll, we will celebrate the lord 's Supper here tonight, and we will uh, have that uh, tonight so Uh, that's there, but that's what we're going to be dealing with because it's, uh, strangely enough, we do it every, you know, once a quarter and uh, it it just worked out exactly. It's not like I planned it or anything. It worked out exactly uh, to come with this next command about the Lord's Supper on tonight when we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And I thought that was wonderful. But John chapter 14, verse 12, look at verse 12. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me and the works that I shall do, uh, I do, sh- shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. In verse 15, if ye love me, keep my commandments. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless here this morning, Lord Jesus. I ask you to please just guide my mind, my thoughts. Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee. I can do nothing without you, you, you working through me. If you speak through me, if in Holy Spirit, if you would speak to hearts and to minds uh, in ways that I cannot. So, Spirit of God, I yield myself to Thee, and I ask You, please, to fill me with Your presence, Your power, from the top of my head to the sole of my feet to the tips of my fingers. Lord, I ask You to cleanse me from everything that would hinder You from working. And Lord, I, I ask You to this morning to wrap Your arms around our church, our people, as a mighty hedge protection. And Father said, if we ask anything in the name of Jesus, and this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask you to bind Satan from this place to turn back every evil that would try to snatch away the truth, that would try to bring discouragement, to try to bring uh, even a, a spirit of confusion or weariness into the minds that, so that we would not hear the truth. Lord, I pray that you please bless here the morning as you promised you would. Uh, you are with us all way, all power, all way. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. As we, as we look at these verses, we need to realize that the command seems to come after Judas Iscariot has left the supper to betray Christ. And so that's where this command is going to fall in that, that timeline. Uh, Judas has, has gone and he's departed. Now he's going to betray Christ. Matthew, when you look at the book of Matthew, and that's what we've been doing with all these commands, Matthew speaks of the garden, of the prayer at this point, of the factual account of Jesus being taken in the garden and all that would lead up to the crucifixion. That's what Matthew deals with. John, on the other hand, speaks of the betrayal. In John 13, uh, verse 26, it says, Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the, after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, thou, that, uh, that thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew uh, what intent he spake this uh, for what intent he spake this unto him, for some of them thought because Judas had the bag that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went out, uh, went immediately out, and it was night. And so, uh, you know, this is where you know, where we are in in the, the so sort of the timeline of what's taking place. And now John gives us a glimpse. Uh, at that point, into the teaching that Jesus proceeded to do between the time Judas departed and until Jesus is going to enter the garden. And now, uh, honestly, John uh, 14 through 17, uh, there's, <clears throat> there's some wonderful teachings that will take place. And truthfully, uh, I have, uh, you know, in my plan, Lord willing, I'm going to uh, uh, eventually, we're going to move into that sometime in the future, we're going to look at those uh, those uh, teachings that he, that he gave there. Now, why would he give these teachings? And it, that's what becomes very important. Uh, just to give you a little illustration, why, why would those teachings be so important? Well, uh, the last sermon I ever heard, and many of you know this name and some won't, but uh, Curtis Hudson ever preached. I was, I was there. He preached a sermon at the college. And and uh, uh, he was weak, very weak. He was cancer-ridden. He was only about 56 years old, I think. Uh, but he, that sermon, I, you know, as I sat there, literally I thought, you know, we don't know if he'll ever preach again. And I'm not sure he ever did preach again after that sermon. And this is one of the great preachers and great soul winners of the, of the, the generation. What would he preach? And that day to a bunch of preacher boys, a bunch of college students at that time, probably about 1,400, they sat in the auditorium, maybe 1,500, they were sitting there in the auditorium. And here's what he preached. He preached on the King James Bible. He preached on the importance of the King James Bible. And I don't know what that would do for you, but, but that spoke volumes to me. As I sat there, I thought, this man's using his last breath, and here's what he's defending here's what he's teaching, here's what he's supporting. Well, I, I'll be honest with you, that meant a lot to me, because this was a great preacher, but not just a great preacher, this man was a legitimate soul winner. This man went out and won people to Christ. And so I thought, no, that's very important. Uh, later, <clears throat> I had the privilege of sitting on the platform when when uh, uh, my my preacher at that time, Dr. Jack Howse, had come come back from Mexico and and uh, not even knowing it would be his last message that he would ever preach, he preached, the bush still burns. And you know what the primary emphasis of that message was? The King James Bible. Yes. And so, I, you know, uh, what I'm saying is this is not about the Bible. I'm not that, but it's an illustration that, you know, when your last words are being spoken, they'll probably be pretty important to you. I would love to have an opportunity to speak some last words you know we don't know that we'll have that opportunity we may be taken uh, like that and may not may be nothing uttered and 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 uh, they'll have to go back and and go back into my sermons and go back into my uh, things and say okay here's what he believed but if I have a chance to to speak I'm not even sure exactly what I what I'll say at that time I you know I I It would be foolish for me to say because, uh, you know, God's grace comes at that moment and God's wisdom comes at that moment and and you'll pour out, what is that which is most important in your life? That's what these men thought. The one thing I truly believe is that given an opportunity, our last words would be about that which is most important in our lives. And so that's why I'm going to address this in the future about what did Jesus gather all his men, and it was a series of things in those three chapters that he's going to teach them. Those must have been some pretty important things. Now in the midst of these teachings, though, we see a command. But that command, now watch this now, that command is not to every person, sadly it's not even to every christian you see the command is in verse 15 but jesus gives a qualifier to that command that's why it's not to every person it's not even to every christian he says if you love me that's the qualifier if you love me keep my commandments now folks there's a lot of people right now that, that feel like that they really, we don't have to, uh, there's no certain lifestyle that you have to live. Well, I, I, let me tell you, the only lifestyle I got to live is whatever Jesus said to, do, to live, his commands. And when, But when we refuse those, truthfully, what we're saying is we don't love him. Because he said, if you love me, keep my commands. So if you're looking at Jesus basically and saying, I don't want to do those things, I don't agree with those things, I don't believe in those things, what do we say? Now, the command is to those that love Him. Often we look at a verse as a revealing verse, at this verse as a revealing verse. By that I mean the keeping of commandments should reveal if we love. But in reality, the keeping of the commandments does not necessitate our loving the Savior. Now watch this now. Refusal to keep the commandments reveals. But the keeping of the commandments does not necessarily reveal. Some rigidly keep the commandments, but do so because of pride or fear, but not of love. There there are a lot of people that that, uh, walk very rigidly in life. And the whole time it's, it's out of uh, some self-pride, look at me, I walk very rigidly in life to make sure everybody knows I'm performing. There's others that are just scared to death. You know, I got this God that if I mess up, he's going to zap me. Folks, let me tell you, thank God we got a God that's not zapping us. Okay? Okay. Now, be sure your sin will find you out. I understand that God says that. But God has also said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's not up there to zap you. He's up there just saying, look, before your sin finds you out, why don't you confess it? Now, (coughs) notice, though, also that, our love for the Savior could, should, and would, I believe, necessitate the keeping of the commandments if we really love him. Then that ought to be true love is an action, not a word. And so if we truly love him, that's where it just drives. Look, uh, you know, I, I uh, my wife is this example. I'm so wonderful. But the, uh, the no, my wife. This morning, you know, she come back from that trip. She, we had to clean out the the CD thing to, to to go uh, for the trip because she was going to have a sale down there. Thank God. Uh, and so, um, she's going go to go down because that's her Christmas money. She doesn't know that yet, but you're going to have that for your Christmas money. And I'm so good. That means don't ask me for nothing. All right. Now, the uh, no the, but she she said to me. She said, uh, you know, the the stuff's in the back of the van. And, and you know what, I knew what that, this telling me this stuff is still in the back of the van and needs to be set up. That wasn't a, you know, just a point of knowledge. That was a request command. That was a, you know, and and the truth is, when I walked out the door, I started out the, out the door because she said, oh, it's okay, you got so much to do. I'm sorry, I shouldn't, and I, I, You know, I started to walk out the door because, you know, I got to get there. I want to get there and get stuff going. And I turned back around, and I went and hit the her key to unlock the van, and I got out there. And and I grabbed the suitcase and the stuff and brought it in, and I I set it all up. Now, why? I'm not afraid of her. I'm not a... (laughs) Publicly, I'm not a... In front of all you, I'm not afraid of her. I'm, no, I'm not afraid of her. I don't think she's gonna, you know, beat me up. And, and she's not gonna light into me because I didn't do it. She's not gonna chew me up. I can't even say it. And, uh, she's not gonna chew me out. She's not gonna attack me. shit I love her. And you know, I want to please her. And the truth is, she was going to be okay, and she would have drug that suitcase out of the back of the van, and she'd drug it in, and she would have never said a word to me because she respects the fact that I got things that I got to do. But you know, I'd much rather her walk in the door, and be pleased, because I love her. Now, truth is, that's the way we should be about Christ. I just. He's not beating me up. He's not forcing me. He's giving me a free will. But if I really love Him, what command could be too much? Our love for the Savior could, should, and would necessitate the keeping of the commandments. But notice also that Jesus says, "Keep." My commandments. I think it's very important that he says keep my commandments, not keep the commandments. Now, I know that Jesus is the word, all the words. So even the Old Testament commands, the Ten Commandments, they are his word. They are his But we also have to consider who he's talking to and when he's talking to them. Now, you you have to look at things in in context and even historical context. Their comprehension of who Jesus was would be some different from from what our comprehension should be from our understanding since we have the scriptures. They didn't have. You see, simply, they didn't have John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. They didn't have that. Now, that being said, I believe the commands that he was addressing are the commands that we have been studying. He said, if you love me, and that's why he gets to this point. He's gone through all of these 40-some-odd commands, and 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 he looks at them at this point, and he says, i got some other things to teach you. And he's in the middle of teaching them. But he stops and says, fellas, I'm going to find out here real soon because I'm going to die. But it will be revealed if you really love me or not. It will be revealed in your own heart. Jesus is not saying, I'm watching to see. He's saying, you're going to find out if you really love me or not. You know, the truth is, that's what it's all about. It's, it's all about us looking at our own heart and, just, and, and do we really love him? And what this is going to do, he says, if you keep these commandments that I've commanded you, you can know that you really love me. And, and do you understand in this time frame, the keeping of his commandments that he's given them, that's not going to be the easiest thing in the world because they're not going to be the favorite people in some of the places they're going. It's not like everybody's going to support and support them as they try to keep these commandments. It's not like everybody's going to rejoice in it. It's kind of like uh, Arthur and I, went, we went out uh, visiting yesterday and knocking on doors in kind of a ritzy area we went to. And, and can I tell you, uh, most of the people we, that opened the door, they were in some kind of church. Uh, and they would say to us that they were, they were some member of some kind of church. But you know, most of them were not happy that we were there. And I said to Arthur, I said, you know, it's amazing to me that they ought to be happy that somebody's doing what Christ wanted us to do. Now, Jesus did not teach. uh, uh, See, I, I believe the commands that he was addressing are the commands that we've been studying. Jesus did not teach them to his disciples just to transfer some knowledge. He taught them, commanded them to live by principles and teachings that would give them life and give them life more abundantly. And that's what he was doing. And he's saying, he's saying he taught them all these things, and it was it for, really for their benefit. But he said, but what it's going to come down to is how much do you really love me? It's going to be revealed in your own heart. His teachings would strengthen their relationship with him and increase their love. And their love for him would be the catalyst toward continuing to obey the commands. I began to study with, with, verse, uh, with the verses you know, that precede verse 15. I want you to look back at, at verse 12 again. Because in there, there's not a command, but there's some importance, I believe, some things we need to look at. Verse 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. You know why we can do greater works? Because all power is with us all way. And so he says, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. the father may be glorified in the son if they shall ask anything in my name i will do it listen this just a statement i'm gonna make we cannot love unless we believe we will not love unless that belief drives us to action actions that are predicated on belief and love will allow us to do greater works God God says hey, look if you really love me then it's going to it's going to bring an action and do you understand that the action when we act upon the love that we have that's going to increase our love Do you understand that the more that we serve him, you know, I, I believe with all my heart I uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons I believe Arthur, I'm going to use him again, I believe he's growing in the Lord. But, you know, one of the reasons I believe he's growing in the Lord is because Arthur decided to start showing up on Saturday morning and going out and knocking on doors. Because that's one of the things the Lord commanded us to do. And I, and I don't say you got to do it on Saturday morning, but I'm just saying that that being willing to say, I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to somehow be used of God to follow the Lord, to get the gospel to other people, Watch that. The love drives him to come. The action increases his love. So, these greater works will only be accomplished through faith and trust in the name of Jesus. God recognizes faith that is in Christ. God rewards that which is done through faith in the name, the authority of Christ. God rewards that which is done because of Christ, not because of us. Jesus himself rewards those who act in his name because of his name, but also because of the faith and love we have in him. All this, and if that confuses you, all this culminates in the statement that if we love him, and I sort of, in that, in that kind of defining love, what does that really mean? It's not an emotion. It, it means to believe, to trust, to depend, to accept him and who he is. If we really believe, trust, depend, accept Him for who He is, we should, of course, obey His every command. If we believe, really believe He's who He is, again, I say, why in the world wouldn't we? If we just, look, if we just believe that He really is the Son of God, if we really believe He's God incarnate, if God incarnate, God Himself is telling us, these are some things you need to do, why in the world would, wouldn't we do it? But the Lord even said further, he said, okay, I'm not forcing you to do it. I'm asking you to do it through love. Even the commands, so to speak, that I've given, I'm not going to force you to do them. He said, but you will if you love me. Not all Christians obey his command or even desire to because not all Christians Forgive me, love him, and not all Christians really understand who he is, his power, his ability, or his name. It's sad how many of our Christian brethren—I'm not saying they're lost. I'm saying there's—I'm talking about Christian saved brethren. How many of them are beaten up and beaten down by Satan because they really don't understand the authority and the power that they have available through their through Jesus? Until we truly believe. Acts 4.12, we've got to believe Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You know, we've got to really understand the name of Jesus is something. It's, <laughs> there is no other name. We will not love him with a love that, that will perpetuate obedience until we understand that there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Without him... We all burn in hell. Without him, there's no love. Without him, we have no hope in this life. Do we really understand that? Without him, there is no love. Without him, there is no hope. Without him, there is no heaven. With him, we have hope and love and salvation. Now, this reality, this belief should, could, and I believe would drive us to obedience to it. And, and, and again... So much is you know, this—it's its kind of a negative type of thing to even talk about obedience. People don't want to think about obedience. Well, uh, we were, we, Jana, just talking about—you know, this whole movement in, in, in college football and things. Where you know a guy, he doesn't—he you know he doesn't get along with the coach, or he doesn't get to play, or he—he he, uh, got moved out of being first. He gets to—he can just go go to some other college now. They understand? They're not helping those kids like that. You know what, if, you, if you're not first string anymore, you know what you need to do? Work harder. But we're, what we're doing is saying, oh, you don't like it, then don't do it. That's not helping them. And the sad thing, you got these guys that back him up and saying, oh, yeah, he needs to go someplace where he can display his talents. Really? That's going to help him in life? The reality, this belief should, could, and would drive us to obedience. Obedience is not a negative thing. God said, Jesus said, if you love me, obey. If you really do, obey. So the question is do we really love Him? You know, in just a few minutes, we'll conclude our service. And Miss Joe is going to be baptized this morning. Thank God the water's warm. And she's going to be baptized. You know what that is? It's obedience. As many as believed were baptized. As soon as they believed, they were baptized. You know, it's it's just an act of obedience. And why would you go get in deep water and let some fella dunk you back in it And hold you under until you bubble. (laughs) Why would you do that? Well, I believe the reason she's willing to do that is because she loves Jesus for what he's done for her. If his commands do not pull us, draw us to obedience, the question we have to ask, do we know him? Do we really love him? We can't love Him until we know Him. And if you've not trusted Christ as your Savior, if you don't know that you're on your way to heaven, if, you, if you've got that constant haunting doubt inside you, then you really don't know Him. Therefore, if you don't know Him, you cannot love Him. We can make a statement of love. We can maybe even have a momentary emotion but love so much more than that. The most important lesson today is not obedience for you can obey without loving. Did you know that? You can obey without loving. But true love should bring obedience. Therefore the most important issue in this command is love. We will love if we know if you really know Him and who He is, know Him as Savior, know who He is. And watch this, He can only save if you understand that He is God. Because a man can't save, a good man can't save. We will love if we know, we will continue to love if we remember. And that's where we're going to be talking about tonight. The next command The Lord said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he said, watch this, fellas, after I'm gone, you're going to need to continue to keep my commandments. You're going to need to continue to love me. And he's going to teach us and he's going to give us how we continue. And we're going to talk about that tonight. You need to be here. You need to be here for that. But are you struggling with obedience? Does even the word obey bring negative thoughts? Does it bring negative feelings into the soul and the mind? Does even rebellion rise up when somebody says obey? Does obedience feel like forced conformity? If you feel any of these feelings, obviously, according to the Scripture, your love is at best waning. Waning. It's not what it should be. Has there ever been a desire burning to yield and obey Christ's commands? If you once burned with desire, that's an evidence that love was in your heart. Love is an action. Love is an understanding. Love is a decision. So is your love strong this morning? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you got that haunting doubt in your heart. I'm telling you, you're struggling with love because you can't love somebody you do not know. Father, I ask you to bless us this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love, thank you for your grace.